Welcome to Project Comedy, a podcast by and for military veterans doing stand-up comedy, turning military banter into quality stand-up comedy acts. We might be veterans, but our comedy aims to get everybody laughing. Military banter, rude jokes, toilet humour. It's all amazing stuff. But what do you do if someone asks you if you've got a clean routine up your sleeve that you could do? That's almost the direct opposite of what military life has set us up to do. Do you really need a clean set? When would you need one? And isn't that the opposite of what comedy is all about? And what exactly is a clean set? To wonder this aloud, I'm joined by my fellow Project Comedy Ambassador, Jamie Butterwouldn't Melt Johnson, Project Recce Ambassador and Beginners Course graduate, Trev Sugar and Spice Cowell, and I'm Jay. I think Paul, Pat- Paul Patrol is obscene Saunders. Hi, gents. Hi, Jay. Good evening. So, first things first, then. I mean, okay, a clean set. When would you think you might need to have a clean set to use? Um, well, obviously, you know, it depends on, um, on on what your audience is. You could get asked at the drop of the hat to to deliver, you know, a set to to anybody, and you need to be able to tailor it. And much much like when we were in the forces, you know, you need to tailor your communication to your target audience. So, um, yeah. just yeah. as we wouldn't, you know, f and blind in front of, um, you know, certain people. You know, if I was te- like, for example, if I was teaching to infantiers, my communication and my teaching style would be a lot different to when I was teaching to senior officers. Obviously, I had to dumb the lessons down for the senior officers because the infantiers <laughs> were intelligent. <laughs> and and when we did the beginners course, I mean, um, Jay was pointing out to us, you know, the most important thing is connection. If you've walked in with a set that is effing and jeffing, and you suddenly see the comedians before you effing and jeffing, and it's not landing, nobody's laughing, you've automatically found something about that connection with the audience, doesn't it, you? It's suddenly, yeah. oh, Christ, this was the set I was going to go with, but I'd better turn my material around because maybe this lot of, I don't know, maybe the Women's Institute has suddenly decided they're coming to that pub that night. You know, am I going to be, you know, coming out with me effing and jeffing and wanking gags? I mean, um, needles, needles at the door, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I remember going to see um, Roy Chubby Brown when I was um, when I was 16, you know, just joined the army and, you know, and everything was, uh, you know, a new experience because you're a young adult. And even I found that after 15 minutes, it was just boring because he didn't really have a lot of funny material. It was just swearing, you know, um, a bit like Bernard Manning, I suppose, you know, it's a comedy of a different era. Um, whereas, you know, again, we talk about one of my favourites, uh, Frankie Boyle. He can, he can, you know, use intelligent material, but also, you know, it can still be, it can still, um, you know, put the swear words in and, and stuff like that. Whereas there's other comedians that, you know, they have both ends of the spectrum, whereas they can have an adult um, stand up where you know everything's in and there's a few slips of the you know the swearing here and there where it's you know they can also go on a family show i mean look at jim davison when he used to do the generation game um you know that's a lot different to jim davison doing stand-up oh it, uh, the classic one of those was uh for me was bob monkhouse bob monkhouse was famous for being the game show host 
But if you ever saw his stand-up live, oh my God, could that guy be rude? Not necessarily you know, swearing and what have you, but my God, he could turn on the naughty stuff whenever he bloody wanted to. Yeah, well, um, like Mike Reed um, was like that. You know, everyone thinks of him as uh, Frank from EastEnders, but he had some proper, proper naughty adult stand-up. And um, what's the other one? Was it Jim, Jim Bowen from Bullseye? Yes, Jim Bowen, yeah. Super yeah, smashing yeah. great. Yeah, super smashing great. Yeah, he had some, uh, you know, uh, some up, right up there stuff back in the day. So it just shows you can, you know, it's, uh, it's about knowing your target audience. Um, and, and, the reason, and the reason this has suddenly become relevant to me is my local circuit has just changed quite dramatically. So there were uh, two or three main bookers down here and pretty much the gigs are all drying up, not because of the availability. But it's more about um, the number of available slots because the venues have turned around and said, right, we want different comedians every single week. So they've now put a, um, a list in saying... Um, right, if you do this venue, you can't do it again for another five weeks. You can book one in five weeks. So suddenly, that's reduced the number of gigs you can do. And I'm quite happy with that. I understand it. I'm annoyed that I'm not getting the gig bookings that I would like. But what it's meant is there are a lot of other gigs that are potentially available, but they're daytime gigs. Now, you know, at a weekend, if you're going to a mini festival or doing a daytime gig in a pub over a weekend suddenly it's going to be full of kids and my internal compass goes do you know what me talking about trying to trap off on tinder may not necessarily work when there's a room full of kids although you know, if it's teenagers they we don't know the subject better than we do <laughs> and then you probably have to appeal to a wider range of people aren't you it's not just you know um, <clears throat> students and above you've suddenly now got family you know and I met this uh, met this really good comedian uh, at my last gig. He was doing a preview of his Fringe show. And um, he was having a chat with us. And he just went, the reason I'm getting paid bookings now is because I got on my CV, I've got clean sets. So he's getting occasional corporate bookings and things like that because he's got on his CV. Yeah, here's an example of one of my clean sets. So yes, I can be rude as you like in one environment, but if you need me to tone it down and still be funny... This is an example of my clean material, and that enables him to get a broader range of bookings. I suppose it's, um, it's about that uh, that clever comedy. I mean, if you think I was talking to someone the other day about how um, even things like you talk about like Peppa Pig, and um, my personal favourite when the kids were younger is uh, Ben and Holly's Little Kingdom, but the underlying adult humour that was in that that was still funny but obviously it was it was you know readily available for any age to enjoy but there was still some real comedy stuff in there what was it terry wogan used to do it was like a rosie and jim sort of thing i can't remember what the name of the two characters were but this was during bbc2 breakfast and stop he used to it and tidy up say again stop it and tidy up no, no, I can't remember what the name of the two characters were. Even did a CD of them. Yeah, and this during the break, and it was well rude. It was really, really rude. But it, no kid would have got what Terry was talking about. It was all double entendre, but very, very subtly done. That it would have gone straight over the kid's head. He knew he wasn't aiming at making the kids laugh, but he was there to make the parents laugh 
without upsetting them in the morning. Um, but he was a master at it. It takes me to my next question, actually. It, it, what, what does a clean set mean? Because as I see it, there are two, two things in this. You've either got a clean set as in, I'm not swearing, or are we talking family friendly? Is there a think, difference? Is there a yeah, hierarchy think, of, of clean sets? I think I think there is a difference. I think family friendly is suitable for all, um, whereas a clean set is maybe, um, you know, where people don't necessarily like the, you know, the 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 swearing and the chubby brown kind of that material, but you can still have intelligent comedy. Whereas family friendly. You can still get stuff in there, but you need to be really careful that it's only, you know, some underlying innuendo or something like that, that all ages can find something funny. Um, but then, you know, you've, you've, you've got to be careful that, you know, you've got to work out in your own set, your left and right of arc, because, yeah. you know, at one stage, you, you're going to be trying too hard if you're trying to say you're amusing like a four-year-old. And then still trying to be relevant to a 25 year old you're uh, that's too wide you know so you need to look at you know whether you're going for i don't know 16 and over or you know or even slightly younger than that so i think you just make it more difficult for yourself the the more wide you try to to make it family friendly i, I remember after my very first set so the very first one I did on my graduation show, I did a split topic. It was um, it was life in life in Gosport, or the fact that there is a very shallow gene pool. And then the second step was about uh, politics, and so split in a five. And I was effing and jeffing all the way through it, but after it, I felt horrible in myself. I got plenty of laughs and what have you, but in myself, I felt horrible. And I couldn't work out why. When I watched the set back, I didn't realise how much I was swearing. And what I found at that st that time was the more I swore, the more angry I got. And it really changed my mental state. And so I was walking off the stage angry rather than I've had, had fun doing it. So I set myself a challenge for several months that I was not going to swear in any one of my sets. And my second set I did, um, it, it, that was the second, the first time I ever used the OAPDO gag. Um, I didn't swear, but my God, I was still rude but it was brilliant for my mental state. So I'm thinking, yeah, that's something that could make late night entertainment on TV, but don't necessarily think that that would be something I would be able to do in front of kids. So that's one version of clean. It's almost sort of like it's TV friendly, but it's not necessarily family friendly. I think maybe that's the Dartmouth in you coming out, uh, you know, oh, I, must not, <laughs> I must not swear I'm an officer. Whereas, uh, <laughs> you know, we're in the infantry, um, you know, the uh, the C bomb is a term of endearment. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just to point out to our listeners, dropping the C bomb is not something that is recommended for a clean set. We haven't got Gabe in the room tonight. I was just about to say, it's ironic we don't have Gabe in here because he'd be dropping every C and F bomb he possibly could at this precise moment. I, I think, think he'd end up with swearing Tourette's. I think it's quite... It's quite funny that because we said that as our as our topic, we're we ourselves even discussing it are a lot more we toned down. down than we are. It's, we yeah, are it's kind of like, 
Yeah, I haven't, you know, I haven't sworn sworn yet. I mean, Jamie might remember this one. I was very early in the days of Project Comedy. Um, I was set a challenge by uh, one of the founders of Project Recce. Um, from nowhere, I mean, I, I, God, I can't believe I actually did this. He sent us a message saying, uh, we've been invited to be on, his name will come back to me in a second. Um, but it was, um, it was going to be an Instagram live with one of the actors from Emmerdale. Um, he was one of the, he was on, um, uh, I'm a celebrity recently. Seth Armstrong. Um, say again? Seth Armstrong. <laughs> no, um, his name will come back to me. But uh, yeah, he's, he's recently done um, uh, um, I'm a Celebrity. But the, um, and it was a five minute set because his dad used to be a comedian. So would you join for an Instagram live with him to a five minute set? So I went, yeah, all right, I'll give it a go. But anyway, two conditions on this. It's got to be family friendly because he's got a family friendly Instagram channel uh, because of his work on Emmerdale. I went, oh, OK, I'll start working on something. Went, and it goes live 8 p.m. tomorrow evening. This was 11 o'clock the night before. So I had to write a brand new, clean, five-minute set. Um, I don't know if I could do it again, but, my God, I managed to do it, and I got some lovely compliments off the pair of them. But it was, my God, did it change the way that I was writing my humour, that I went, I've got to think there are kids watching this, um, and I've got to keep them happy. No swear words, no sex gags, blah, blah, blah. I really, really put the constraints on myself. But it was... Well, that was the biggest gig I've ever done. Um, at one point, I looked at the counter. If you do an Instagram Live, it tells you how many people are watching. And I made the mistake of looking down at one point, and there were over 800 people watching me at that time. So I'm like, right, I'm never looking at that counter again because I don't need that to happen to me again. You suddenly feel the fear of that. But it was, a, it was a good example of, yeah, I needed to have some material. So yeah, after doing comedy for over two years now, well, nearly two years now, I should really have a clean set in the bank, ready to go at any time I need one. Yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely a bit of a more of a press pause, and then speak rather than you know some of the normal conversations we have. Like, like again, like we're saying about because of the topic, you're thinking about it more. But normally we just bounce off each other. And then it escalates, especially if Gabe's here. Um, <laughs> just it escalates, um, but you can't do that when you you've got to think about every word that you're going to say because you you only you might only get that opportunity once. And if you uh, if your family friendly um, goes a bit awry, then <laughs> then you know. Well, in that case, in that case, if you, so, you're trying to write a clean set. Maybe it's it's turning into a family friendly set. Um, would you crack a sex gag in front of an audience that's got kids in it? It would have to be more innuendo, and it would have to be like um, like a Shrek kind of innuendo. Yeah. So every it's the adults will get it, but the kids probably won't. Well, you like to think they don't. <laughs> I've got, I've got a slightly different one. Depending on the way you deliver it, I think it's still a valid subject because kids know their parents are, you know, having sex and they'll know that much earlier in life than, than you know, we, we probably did as kids. But it's the way you allude to it. I mean, um, 
Have you ever seen the uh, YouTube stroke, TikTok stroke, Facebook channel of Bat Dad? You know, yeah. this guy that goes in a Batman mask. And he keeps on doing it in front of the kids. He's just there going, Jen, time for relations. In front <laughs> of the kids. And the kids know what he's talking about. Oh, dad, blah, blah. But it's, it's, it's still funny. We're alluding to sex. It is a sex gag and what have you. But it's been done in such a way that it's not going to upset kids or parents and what and he's expecting a rejection so there are intelligent ways you can actually drop in the subject of sex you know it's time for mummy and daddy time there are ways that you could be plugging it in that it isn't without going to explicit. family yeah so you make without being explicit like you like going back to choosing your words carefully i guess yeah i mean at the end of the day we, we all grew up watching sooty and sweep and and observing Matthew Corbett slip his fingers into Sue on daytime television. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let's not talk about too many 70s entertainers because that could lose the clean aspect of what we're trying to lead towards. Definitely but not family-friendly. Well, yeah, well, like, we, like we talked about earlier on, a lot of them 70s hardcore comedians ended up on family-friendly game shows with you know it's like they get a clean slate and people forget what, what they used to do bef before when they're on the stage and now it's like oh uh, you know here's a speedboat for central birmingham so <laughs> <laughs> but again you could run a gag about that you could run a gag about that in front of a family audience because suddenly the kids wouldn't necessarily understand it but that's something they can turn around to their parents and go what was he talking about and then that gets the parents talking to their kids on the way home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, some, poor, you know some poor bugger in Birmingham used to get a speedboat as a prize on, on the quiz shows. We didn't have Millionaire and things like that back in our days. Um, and yeah, maybe that's one way you can actually approach a clean set when there's families there of pointing out the differences between our lives and their lives. You know, things like mobile phones. You know, we didn't have a mobile phone. When, when you were kids, did your pet on, on the old rotary dial phones to stop you running up bills? Did your parents ever have that lock that used to go on the telephone? Yeah. <laughs> so, in an emergency situation, you couldn't even dial 999. You know, the kids, the, the idea to a kid that they couldn't access a phone 24, uh, 24 7 these days would be completely alien to them. And that's something that, you know, you can make the kids laugh about and the parents are laughing with nostalgia. Well, it, it, it's just, it's that situational thing, isn't it? Because you realise how, how far we've come in, you know, only a few decades. And I was explaining to someone the other day that oh, when I was a kid, um, you know, the in thing is you wanted to have a pager because then you're, you know, if your parents were trying to get older, you, they could drop you a page and then you could go stick 20p in the phone. And they're like, what's a pager? Is, is, it, is it like one of the things they have in hospitals? Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Basically, it's like a NAF text message machine that you can't take <laughs> back on. And, like, you know, um, and, and all the things that we thought were pretty decent. Um, well, do you know what? Do you know how old you just made, made me feel, Trev? Do you know how old you've made me feel? I remember when I was a Cub Scout, and as part of our inspection, we had to reach into our pocket to bring out a 2P piece. 
because that was to make a non-emergency phone call in, a, um, in an important situation. It wasn't 20p into the phone box. It was a 2p had to go in. And I remember as I was going through the Scout Association, that changed from a 2p to a 5p to a 10p to a 20p to pay for a non-emergency phone call. It is about if you want to use a phone these days, if you can ever find a pay phone, it's about a quid, isn't it? You know, yeah. What's oh, a yeah, phone box? <laughs> yeah. Phone boxes are nothing more than public toilets or places to get certain dodgy ladies' telephone numbers these days. I don't even think you can get the telephone numbers from them anymore because uh, you can just Google that. <laughs> it used to it used to be a, a thing to see, wasn't it? You know, you go on a day trip to London and there'd be all the the phone boxes absolutely rammed with all the cards and stuff like that. And now it, you know, just but yeah, you could do that. You could just like just Google. <laughs> <laughs> all right then. So, what about could you do a political gag with kids there? I mean, is it worthwhile doing a political gag because are the kids going to get it? Um. Well, yeah, I mean, you can say, uh, you know, uh, it's good to see that the Cookie Monster has managed to, um, you know, branch out from Sesame Street, and now he's the Prime Minister of the UK. <laughs> 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 um, Taking the mic off somebody's appearance, yeah, that's always going to yeah. be a winner with the kids, isn't it? Although I, I, I took a picture... Uh, in the uh, in the RAF museum, I, I was disgusted with myself that I actually had to go there. Um, I'm taking. But they had a, they had a ro Roland Rat, and uh, and I posted it on Facebook to say, "Oh, look! I never knew that Richie Sunak had been in the Air Force before he became <laughs> politics." Oh! <laughs> but kids today wouldn't even know who Roland Rat is. So exactly, you've got to again, get. They're not well. I mean, I was about to say the Teletubbies now, but I think the Teletubbies bank has been cancelled for God knows how many years. It's about... the, kids are, the kids who watch Teletubbies are still in therapy. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, all I about Bluey why. now. Who? Oh, Bluey. Well, Bluey. the one I the one I know about is uh, Peppa Pig, because I didn't realise some of the voice actors in Peppa Pig are well known comedians and celebrities, like. Um, What's his name? Um, uh, David Mitch. Uh, uh, David, yeah, David Mitchell. It is David yeah. Mitchell? Is yeah. my brain? Right. He's one. He's one of the. Um, he's one of the people in Peppa Pig. Yeah. Um, and I, I had no idea that he was a voice actor in it. I'm more worried that you're watching Peppa Pig on a boat on your own at your age. <laughs> I need my kick somewhere, mate. I need my kick somewhere. And um, please. Look, I'm, I'm applying for a DBS, so nobody questioned me about this. So I need my DBS to become an archery coach. So nobody questioned the podcast, please. I'm just trying to get down with the youth. The very, very youth. The youth, yeah. <laughs> yeah don't Peppa Pig then, because it just makes you angry, because um, Peppa Pig is definitely not a good role model. <laughs> I hear Boris like Peppa Pig at Eaton, didn't he? Oh, God, no. Did you see that thing when... Um, he lost his place in a speech and he started talking about how he had gone to Peppa Pig World. <laughs> that was bizarre. That was that in front of the Trades Union Congress or something like that. And he's talking about, oh, I went to Peppa Pig World and I can recommend everybody. Sorry, can we solve the pig in economy and COVID first? <laughs> I don't need recommendations for a family fun. 
And by the way, can you take your other kids out for some family fun, not just the one you actually admit you have? <laughs> Stand, standard tour, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what about... Let's just pause for a second and let you know how you can end up joining Project Comedy. Are you a veteran, or even still serving, and think you'd like to give stand-up comedy a go? Then why not join us in Project Comedy? Visit the Project Recce website, that's projectrecce.org, then click on how it works. You'll find a register here button in the Project Comedy section. Fill that in, and the HQ staff will soon get you connected with the Project Comedy community and its weird and wonderful ambassadors. You'll be invited to our green rooms, where if you want it, we can train you in the basics. If not, you can just come along and have a laugh with us and see what we're up to and what it gives us. Okay, let's let's see if we can brainstorm a few family-friendly topics. What kind of topics could we use as the basis? Go, go on, I can play with this and see if this is something that'll, um, that'll entertain an audience. I can entertain the kids and the parents at the same time. You know, it's things to do with uh, technology, um it can everyday be life yeah. yeah everyday life you know um celebrities that that you know they relate to the one i did the one i did for um for that instagram live um something miller something miller his name is is slowly coming back to me pts ptsd brain is slowly coming through jolly b miller jolly b miller um what i did was you know, well i've got an assistance dog so I ended up talking about I hate really bad um, dog owners. And as soon as I started doing about you know, people that don't take dog poo bags out for their for their dogs, you know, and they're leaving shit in the streets. And it suddenly occurred to me, kids will love this because I'm talking about messing about with poo. That is funny to kids. I'm saying the word poo and having to pick it up and put it into a bag and blah, blah, blah. But other people just leave poo in the street or they hand poo bags off of trees like some dirty protest form of a christmas tree that's something that appeals to parents and it appeals to kids because i'm talking about poo and wee and dirty stuff and blah 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 but it's not going to be offensive to kids yeah yeah i mean you could teach them that life lesson that always remember when you're taking your dog out for a walk to be armed with a pair of sunglasses and make sure your dog's wearing an orange jacket that way if you run out of poop bags you just pretend you're blind because who, <laughs> who picks up a, a you know an eyesight dog's poop? So. I, I made this point in that set. I'll have to look it up again because I haven't played with it in over a year. But I turned right away. You wouldn't go out with your toddler or your kid in a pram without a nappy. I mean, are you really going to pull your kid out of a pram, let them curl one down in the middle of the high street, and then stick him back in the pram and walk home, leaving this steaming pile there? Have you, again, you, have you been out on Gosport High Street? <laughs> they don't even do that on Gosport High Street, mate. They'll, you'll spot them running into Pound Stretcher to get some emergency nappies. They would, they, even in Gosport, they wouldn't let that happen. Maybe in Portsmouth, but not even not in Gosport. <laughs> there are any other subjects you can think of that you could play with that would appeal to a kid and you know, something in family life that would be appealing? I don't know. Oh, food. I was just about to say food and fussy eaters. Yeah. 
Like my old man, he wouldn't eat spaghetti bolognese because it was foreign muck. And then you could end up playing with that, you know, fussy eaters, different styles of food, who gets objected to it, who gets the biggest portion, what are rules around the table, you know, no elbows on the table. I remember that one because that, who gives a monkeys about that anymore? Yeah, and it's obviously, you know, saying to kids, right, come on now, be honest. Who who doesn't eat sprouts? And they're all like that. But you'll eat your bogeys, though, won't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's actually an interesting take, because actually if you can get the kids to laugh first, that will warm the adults up. If you can get a couple of gags that will get kids laughing first, that would be a very interesting way to get connection in an audience that if you could start a set where your connection is actually the kids in the room to encourage the parents in the room to start laughing as well. That could, Oh, I'm interested by that, Trev. I might actually think about writing this set about, right, let's get my first couple of gags that are aimed at getting kids laughing. Yeah, because it, it's, it's about maximum engagement, is it? Because once you put the kids at ease and you put everyone else at ease and... Uh, you can lay your you set then, can't you? Yeah, then you're going for the kill shot. Because <laughs> it could be like it could be something like yeah, what are the things that would really piss off a kid living with their parents? Um, so telling them to reduce screen time, turning off the Wi-Fi, things like that. What were the things that peed us off by our parents? I mean, it, it, I can't remember the comedian that did it, but he turned around and said, you know, the punishment when I was a kid was being sent to my room. Yeah. Send a kid to their room now going, oh, yeah, you mean the place that's got everything that I can ever possibly want? Wi-Fi, games machine, my own TV, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's such a punishment to have all this sort of stuff. What, yeah. what, what were our punishments as kids? Grounded. Grounded. Yeah. Oh, being grounded. Now they never don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even if you ground a kid now, they're not grounded because they're going to be Zooming, WhatsApping, um instagramming each other via their mobile phones they're not grounded they're still in contact with their mates yeah yeah and um, i think we discussed it before like you know instead of going out to play football kids these days will watch some other kid playing football on youtube so you're like well why don't you do it yourself <laughs> that's, one, that's one i don't get and it's clearly because of my age you know i yeah you know, i used to be a computer games journalist before i joined the service um so I've got no problem with computer games. I, I do have a problem with how long they play them. But why are there YouTube channels dedicated to people playing computer games? That all you do is watch YouTube, watching somebody else play a game. What, yeah. what the hell is that about? Where's, where's the enjoyment? Because if you're not getting to play it yourself, you're just watching someone else do it. Not even it's like a paradox thing. It's not as though, even as though it's a walkthrough to help you get through a challenging part of a game. It's yeah. you're literally watching them live stream a multi-action role player. Yeah, you're watching but somebody, it, watching somebody, watching somebody else. It's just mad. It's well, that reminded me of. Um, do you remember Games Master with Dominic Diamond and uh, what was the guy uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Moore? Moore. Patrick yeah. Moore. The computer games magazine company I used to work for. We set that up, Games Master. We even launched a magazine called Games Master on the back of it. Yeah, that one. And that with one. the golden joystick. Yeah. The golden joystick. <laughs> Which is just spray-painted plastic joystick. <laughs> no expense spared. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, even that was still like a different, um, a different twist on how this YouTube thing is. You know, it's like, um, although I, I did think that the, uh, you know, the Navy's recruiting adverts where, you know, if you can fix a bike, you can do this and do that. Oh, like, God, I hated that. Well, I think they should, uh, they should, you know, they could get more people into the submarine service where it's, it's a, like a teenager in a room, like sat there in front of the telly, <laughs> dribbling with a games console, like that. And it's like if you can, if you can do this, then you can watch Sonar for, <laughs> for nine hours of stuff. If you can sit in front of your game station for twenty-four hours straight. You'll have all the requisite skills to be a submariner. You're <laughs> used to being a lowly bugger, not talking to real people. You're ready to be a submariner. To can, do, do you not wash? Do you hide in your room like a hermit and keep your curtains <laughs> closed at all times? You can you be so, a submariner. <laughs> are you socially awkward? Do you sunburn too easily because you've not seen any ultraviolet rays? Get ready for the submarine service. You're what we need. <laughs> Did they, so have, being, did they have golden <laughs> rivets under the argid? Mate, there are golden rivets anywhere I want to put them. <laughs> that DBS is just going, floating away. <laughs> <laughs> and why do I know this is going to be our topic for conversation when this podcast goes out? Because um, when this goes live tomorrow morning, Trev and I will be in Marlow with Ross Kemp. I dread to think what kind of uh, new gags we're going to develop on that filming day. <laughs> especially because you know the more awkward things become the more of your black humor comes out as your coping mechanism so you that's another one right tv what tv programs could you hit on a family-friendly way so britain's got talent i think has been done to, done to death i think that's a yeah. dead sub now but are there tv programs that an entire family sits down to watch these days just mind-numbing game shows, things like um, Tipping Point. And, um... Tipping Point is a brilliant one. I think you can have great fun with that because I was addicted to the coin pushers as a kid. Yeah. But why has that now ended up being early evening entertainment? It's not the same as going down to uh, um, Leon Solon to the Penny Arcade, is it? <laughs> no. No, no. The amount of fun you could have with two pounds worth of two piece and you felt rich when you got ten out. Yeah, yeah. My wife still does that now. You give her a bag of two P coins, and then she'll she'll go through them, and she'll start. You know, she'll finish with less than she started, but then she'll like, oh, I need another couple of quid. I'm like, it's supposed to be for kids. It's like a false economy. <laughs> it's not like you know, you're never going to Vegas because if that's what you do with two P, then we'd be <laughs> you'd be getting carted away by the mafia. I'll tell you one that I'd be tempted to play with. I don't. I wouldn't be interested in your view on it. Um, I was a. Um, I was in the Scout Association for ages. Uh, not as a, only as a kid, but I ended up becoming a leader. Um, so I was predominantly a Cub Scout leader. Um, that enabled my son to go into Scouts, and I wasn't harassing him. You know, I was a leader in a different section. And I'll tell you what, it completely changed my view of kids, because I thought kids were lazy they weren't active they didn't study a lot they were a pain in the ass they were disrespectful actually the kids i ended up encountering were far far better than most of us give them credit for i mean when you see the homeworks and stuff they get and how the the quantity of homework they get compared to when we were kids it's shocking yeah. seeing them having to perform to 
government grades and doing you know SATs and things like that it's shocking the pressure the kids are under actually doing a routine about actually you kids have got it harder than I certainly did as a kid could be a way to get into it and you know play with some humor on that side yeah I one thing I was gonna you know because you've got this scouting background when did when did scouts stop having all the references to Jungle Book like I remember being a kid and it was all about Bagheera and you know Arkayla and all that Mm. now that's only in the Cub Scouts so um Cub Scouts when they when it was uh, originally founded it was Wolf Cub Scouts so there were Wolf Scouts and then they made Wolf Cubs that's still based around the Jungle Book to this day so the um Cub Scout leader will be referred to as Arkayla um, I was Baggy, I was Bagheera, um, you still got the Shere Khans and all that sort of stuff. And I remember when the live action form of the Jungle Book came out, the kids, the kids in my pack were so excited to see it. It was just the best day ever for them. Can't be but, yeah, but it's, um, uh, oh, no, I, I, I've got to say the, the live action one, I absolutely adored. It was exciting for the kids as well as being funny. Whereas, you know, the, the cartoon one was just funny. Yeah, was it was it actually the Beatles that played the Vultures? I can't remember. I can't look, I'm, I'm not that old, mate. I mean, <laughs> I'm 53. I wasn't born at the same time as Walt Disney himself, all right? And maybe I need to go into cryostasis at this precise moment at this age, but I'm not as old as Walt Disney. <laughs> well, good, because he's dead. <laughs> if they were, were scouse birds, wouldn't they be magpies? Um, I go along to Models for Heroes. If you've never heard of it, you know, the veteran community have never heard of it. Models for Heroes, it shows you how to make scale models, you know, the old Airfix things and what have you. <clears throat> it's just a great bit of fun. And I'm making a model of the original uh, Starship Enterprise. And we do it at a little veterans cafe around the corner. And I'm just putting it together, you know, putting the nacelles onto the source, into the main body and the source section on. And this kid comes up and went, is that the Enterprise? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's the Enterprise. And he goes, that's the, that's the first one, isn't it? I went, oh, well done, mate. He goes, can you remember when the first episode came out? And I wanted to punch his freaking lights out. <laughs> first episode came out five years before I was bloody born. I'm 53. I'm not that pigging old. 66 on it, the first episode. Yeah. I mean, I'm an old man, but I'm not that freaking old. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded if he had said Star, uh, Star Wars, because I was eight when that came out. So what was it like serving with Hornblower? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I joined up when Long John Silver had two, had two legs and an egg on his shoulder. <laughs> Any other topics you can think of that would be applicable okay take take some of your subject matter that you've used would you be able to turn it into a clean or a family friendly set change probably the not. wording yeah <laughs> probably yeah, your, OCD, your ocd stuff jamie you could play that into a family friendly straight away because everybody's met somebody with ocd to some degree haven't they yeah true i just come out with loads of loads of dad jokes and and stuff like that you know some of the old classics about dyslexia. Do you hear about dyslexic drug dealer? Got caught selling F. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about a dyslexic pimp? Bought himself a warehouse. 
What did the zero say to the eight? Nice belt. Oh. I mean, the dad jokes. I mean, and but then again, yeah, that, I, this is why the one-liner comedians can work so well, isn't it? I mean, if you turn around to the Stuart Francis's and uh, the Tim Vines, you know, most of their gags will fit straight and easy into a family-friendly stuff. Not necessarily Gary Delaney. You know, his gags may not perfectly land into a family-friendly step, but one liner yeah. gag can be really good for it. Going back to game shows, one I'm, one I'm thinking of now is hosted by what I I consider to be pretty much the guy who's nailed family-friendly sort of clean humour. The wheel, Michael McIntyre. Now, there is a family-friendly act. I mean, he yeah. had... He has positioned himself to be that slot, hasn't he? So everything from uh, the wheel. What's that one that he did where uh, it's almost a variety show where it's uh, the comedy road show? Yeah, no, the, the one where he takes the celebrity's phone and texts to all. I can't remember what that show's called, but he has very, very nicely put himself into the "I am the family friendly act." Yeah, but comes out with some good Is it John Bishop? Is it? Well, John plays himself nicely, John Bishop, doesn't he? Because he can, um, John can span himself from I'm going to be right up there dirty down to a family friendly. There is a guy that really does have the stretch for it. He's positioned yeah. himself quite well as like an heavy man, hasn't he? He's quite, quite versatile. Yeah. But, but he can only do TV because he can't do radio because everyone will think that because he's a scouser, they need to retune. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's only on a podcast like us buggers. I mean, you know, the varying accents we've got on this podcast, you know, you got a West Country bumpkin like me, you got Jamie in his dulcet tones, you Trev. I sometimes wonder what the hell bloody Gabe's saying. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily the level of the language of just being Irish, but I often get confused what the heck that man's saying. Um, but then you've got yeah, other communities. <laughs> but then you've got other comics that seem to have gone past that. So it's like, uh, if you take the likes of Dara Brian, he seems to be set for Watershed and afterwards. He's live at the Apollo and afterwards. It's always going to be maybe cleaner because of the nature it's being broadcast, but it's not necessarily family friendly. I tell you who mm -hmm. has nailed the, the, the switch from hardcore comedian to family friendly is Paul O'Grady. Because nobody remembers Lily Savage unless you're of oh, a certain oh. age. Yeah. Um, and and every time I see him, I'm like, that bloke is Lily Savage. And, yeah. and that was like as as adult as it gets. And now he's like that at Batsy Dog's home. And he's oh yeah. he's a nice man. <laughs> it, it's some switch that is from a, a, a comedy drag act to for the love of dogs or yeah. Let me tell you all about the county of Kent. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but then you've got another one that went the other way. So I did um, say Kent, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, bizarrely, that rhymes into, it reminds me of this gag, uh, this, this particular comedian. But one that went from very, very family-friendly, very clean, then went rude, and then has learned how to balance himself through, is Lee Mack. Because yeah. Lee Pagline, when he was on the radio, so when he was appearing on BBC uh, on Radio Two and Radio Four, 
his tagline was "I'm cheeky, never blue." But then when he got started getting a, um, a tour following, then he started to get ruder and ruder. But then because of the work he's done on things like um, "Would I Lie to You," that's what's landed him something like uh, the one percent uh, quiz. Yeah, that he can actually modify his humor through all the layers. He can go from "I've got a family audience to me" to Let's get some effing and jeffing done here because that's what this this bunch of punters wants. He's gone from I'm very very strictly clean to rude, and then has found a middle ground in between. And I think again, yeah. it comes to to back to reading the room. You know what you what sort of material you can bounce off your audience and what you steer clear of. Yeah, it's trying to find that. He's literally trying to find that balance because I'm just playing uh, in my room. And I think again, it, it's. It's easy. It's harder to write it as a set than maybe, you know, playing off your audience. If you have it in your back of your mind, uh, you know, at what level you're going to pitch at, you can still do your one-liners. You can still bounce off what people say, and and you can even introduce the innuendo into it. But then you've got to know that you can't take that and then put it at the extremes that you normally go to. It's like yeah, I think everyone throwing out songs of praise for that. <laughs> every, one the, every one of the sets I've got at the moment, I could deliver without swearing in. Every single set I've got, I could do it without swearing, but it still wouldn't necessarily make it. Only one of those sets I would turn around and say is family friendly. I call them more, um, I call them broadcast friendly, or I'm going to be able to entertain the adults and the kids are going to end up getting bored of what I'm saying here. Because you know, such a, most of my subject matter isn't going to make a kid laugh. Yeah, yeah. I I always remember, um, you know, and, and obviously it's slightly off topic, but I bought my dad uh, a Jim Davison VHS uh, for Christmas one year, and uh, and my nan had come to stay, and and we put it on, and I didn't think, you know, because again, it's known your audience. But I didn't know, think that my nan would find his kind of humour funny because of her age. And she yeah. laughed that much that she ended up in A&E by Boxing Day having an angina attack from laughing so much. So, <laughs> so it's, it, you, it's not, you've got to be aware that you're not stereotyping people and then thinking, well, they're not yeah. going to find that funny because they're in the WI or something. Yeah. Um, You've just made me think. I'm just thinking about you. Um, the dating app stuff I've done. Um, maybe I could play with that because it's sort of like kids might be able to get it in the fact. Look, when you come to dating, don't make the same mistakes as I have on Tinder. Don't make the same mistakes that I have on Bumble because you, you know, I'm gonna educate you before you even get to that stage. Parents, I'm doing you a freaking favor. Um and play and it's also the fact that, let's be honest. Kids today grow up far faster than we did. They're exposed to far more stuff than we were. So much as you were saying, Trev, don't stereotype the kids that they don't know about this stuff. Allude to it and see what the kids play with it. You know, maybe that's a way to get them laughing is, I know what you kids have seen. Your parents might like to think you haven't seen this stuff, but I know what you've seen. Yeah, like your black hair kind of humour. That, that, that very much uh, was... was you know my favorite growing up and some of it was rude some of it was you know tongue-in-cheek um but it was it was delivered in a way that it was really family friendly but they they you know they tweaked that from 
it wasn't the first series you know was wasn't the same as the rest of them it became more you know sight gag and uh and clever as it went along um but but everybody can enjoy that hello hello things like that i was just going to say that you've got a sitcom that's dealing with um Nazi occupied France, and yet somehow it, it, it's quite family friendly. <laughs> yeah, with with my little little tank. <laughs> the portrait of the Madonna as the big boobies. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, and what? And yeah, and that appeals to everybody. That appeals to it's making me realise when we look for that kind of entertainment today, that's a massive void now. It's either yeah. kids TV or it's adults TV. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that's been in years that's brought families together has been Harry Potter and the Marvel movies. They're yeah. the only things that are suddenly now that's actually focused around a family. Yeah, and, and you look at the stuff that you know we it, it it goes back to like other other topics and stuff, but there's that whole like cancel culture and afraid of upsetting people. But you think about you know. Everybody used to like watching Only Fools and Horses, and then you had your, you know, your annual special. But if you watch them back now, the things that they say, you know, oh yeah, Certain it would never Um, you know, and you know, you can't. It's hard to get. It ain't half up, mum. Um, and, and and these kind of comedies, but they were funny. Um, and you know, and I suppose at the at the time they were family friendly because you know you yeah. can say things without I mean, there's, um, there's a classic example isn't it it's sort of like um they were funny for their time and certain parts of it are still funny the, the classic example you've just come out with is um it ain't half hot mum because a lot of people would be <clears throat> upset by the sergeant majors they would call it homophobia now yeah and actually I think a lot of those gags haven't really aged very well um, because some of it was, in today's context, goes too far. But some parts of it are still relevant, still funny. Maybe it's worthwhile going back and looking at that stuff, going, that stuff still lands, but that's the stuff I don't want to use anymore because that's not going to land in today's context. Yeah. yeah. Like, again, it's knowing, your, it's knowing your target audience, but then I think that if a, there's an audience of a certain generation, they can't look they can't look back at comedy from yesteryears and then go well that's you know that's wrong them jokes are wrong because it's a different different society's changed um you know even things like you know citizen smith the young ones um yeah all that yeah. kind of stuff none of that you know would stand up bottom you know imagine yeah. bottom right now i think do you know what i, I disagree bottom i think still stands today because bottom was predominantly slapstick and being ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I think the young ones would probably stand the test of time. Um, because don't forget that you know, this, this was students writing it at that time. So they were sort of like the equivalent of whatever woke was back in those days. But yeah. other things wouldn't stand the test of time, like um, Love Thy Neighbour or yeah. um, curry and chips, they would never stand the test of time because loads of the themes don't work. And uh, I, I like the way you bring a cancel culture in because we've had, we've had an episode of cancel culture. That just made me think about what we were talking about last week. 
self-deprecating humor. That will land family friendly. If you are ripping the piss out of yourself, that will land against an entire family, won't it? If you're the moron on the stage, then they're laughing at you and you're not, you know, if you're going on a self-deprecating rant, then brilliant. That means the entire family can laugh at you. It's just what they laugh at, you know, saying that you're very bad at your sexual technique isn't necessarily the way you would start that set, <laughs> but saying that all the women hate me, brilliant. That Everybody in the family can laugh at that. Yeah. So after we've said all of this stuff, do you think there are any subjects that are a no-go to generate a clean set or a family-friendly set? No, not really. Um, it's about it's about how you deliver it. And um, and if you look at what Mike Myers does, he's like a master of the, you know, getting any subject in. Because if, you know, Austin Powers, maybe for the older, you know, younger adult uh, and above, but Shrek, there's so much stuff in Shrek. Um, it's universal, and, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it's... Um, and and then movies are enjoyed by everybody because of the way, you know, it, it's stuff is snuck in there. Yeah. And I suppose it's it's taken into account of, you know, when you're writing your material, if you're intelligent with it, you know, that the intelligence will come from the fact of a recognizing I can say this in front of everybody, but B being aware that certain gags will land with certain parts of the audience. So sometimes maybe you want to put a gag in there for the parents because they pay for the ticket or they're paying for the evening out or the afternoon out. And I'm going to make them laugh with that and it's going to miss the kids. But then again, I might have to write a couple of gags that are purely at the kids. Not every single gag is going to land in every single demographic of the room. Yeah. So if you can actually keep a decent punchline rate where you are hitting certain parts of your audience at different times and using that to collectively bring them into the room. Yeah, it's okay if the kids don't laugh for a minute or so. It's okay if the parents don't laugh for a minute or so. As long as I've got something lined up, we'll make that part of the demographic of the room laugh at some point during the set. You can always bring them back into the set, yeah. And you know, and, take, and actually take the Michael out of yourself, or take the Michael out of them for it, going, yes, parents, you might have to explain that one to your kids on the way home. And do exactly the same thing to the kids. Yes, kids, you might have to explain why you knew about that or why you were laughing at that gag for your parents on the way home. And you know, just play play with them nicely on that. Yeah. And and you can and you can say things like uh, you know, to you older ones in the audience that are um, just completing your GCSEs. I remember back to a, a a sitcom where Stephen Fry came up with a very, very dirty word job and some of you are going to have to get one soon <laughs> <laughs> so i think i think we could say that that family friendly and, and and clean humor doesn't have to be boring no no and actually do you know what i'm i'm after doing this i want to write a set about it because i can see the challenges it gives it's like you know when we get our one minute challenges there's a challenge to find the humour in it. And if I can find some humour in something that nobody else has done and I can hit everybody, why not have a play with it? Yeah. Well, hopefully that's given everybody some kind of idea of, you know, clean and family friendly doesn't have to be boring. Hopefully you've got an idea of why you might need it. Yes, maybe it's not driving the total boundaries of comedy, but actually to have a clean set or maybe a family friendly set 
is going to help you build and um, encourage you to get more gigs on this open mic stand-up circuit that may lead to your first ever paying gig. Uh, i got to thank my two co-hosts for the evening. Uh, Jamie Johnson, cheers, mate. Trav Cowell, thank you. Pleasure as always. And as per normal, we'll close off with some details on how you can follow us. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. If you want to see what we're actually like on stage, please have a look at our YouTube channel. Search for Project Comedy, Veterans Doing Stand-Up, and look for our black and white logo that's exactly the same as the one we use for this podcast. You can also now follow us on Twitter. We can be found at Proj Comedy. That's at P-R-O-J Comedy. I'm EJ Saunders. I can be found on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter if you look for Comic J Saunders. That's all one word with the letter J in the middle. Comic J Saunders. Thanks again to everyone that's taken part in this episode. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Project Comedy Podcast. Please support our veterans as they continue their comedy journeys. To find out more, including gigs our veterans are doing, please search for the Project Comedy group on Facebook, where you'll also find links to Project Recce, the veterans charity that makes Project Comedy possible.